This is Mona Stafford, Regional Manager for Southwest Missouri and Northwest Arkansas for Bot Radio Network. Joining me on this very special broadcast is Byron Tyler, Regional Creative Production Director from Memphis. Byron and I were blessed to tour Israel on several occasions with our good friend Omer Eschel and his company, The Bible Comes to Life. As you can imagine, these last few weeks have had us very concerned about our friends who live in the Holy Land. In particular, we have been praying for Miss Pat Sternkorb and her tour group of 18 people sponsored by The Bible Comes to Life. We have good news. Pat and her group are home now, but it took several miracles for that to happen. Let's listen in now to a phone interview with Byron Tyler, Pat Sternkorb, and myself, keeping in mind that most tours land in Tel Aviv and go straight north to the Galilee area, and then they go south to the Dead Sea, to Masada and En Gedi, and all of those famous sites. And then they turn around and they go north to the most important part of the tour, to Jerusalem. This group never saw Jerusalem. And that's what we're going to discuss, how Pat Sternkorb and her group were able to get out of the land of Israel and into Jordan and safely home. When you were in Memphis, we talked about the work that you do with The Bible Comes to Life. Our dear friend, Omer Eschel, mm-hmm. and his father, who run this organization and their team, and you're part of that team. And so we were excited to talk to you about The Bible Comes to Life. Mana, <laughs> in 2018, you took me to Israel on yes. two separate occasions <laughs> with The Bible Comes to Life organization. Yes. It was an educational tour for our Bot Radio Network listeners, and we had them come from all across the United States. We did. To take this tour, two different tours that I had the privilege of joining you on, and it was an experience of a lifetime. The Bible Comes to Life helped make that possible. Yes. Well, The Bible Comes to Life is an incredible company based in Israel, and they form tours literally from many parts of the world, not just America. Pat is one of the tour directors. I felt like it would be very important for our listeners and a lot of our friends around this area to know about Pat and what she's just experienced and came through. And so that's why I wanted to get her on the phone with us today, Byron. There's a lot of concern. Our hearts are just are so heavy. Our yes. hearts are praying right now mm-hmm. for the peace of Jerusalem. Yes. A horrible attack in early October from Hamas towards the Israeli citizens. Mm-hmm. We're talking about children, women, elderly, and some are actually Holocaust survivors who have been kidnapped, tortured, and murdered. Yes. We're so concerned. Now, Pat, this most recent trip, when did you leave the United States to travel and how many people were traveling with you? We have 18 people. It was a really good group of people. We left the United States on October 2nd and headed for Israel, just very typical as we do our typical tour. I'm not expecting anything unusual to happen, I'll put it that way. We arrived in Israel on Tuesday the 3rd and really hit the ground running on Wednesday, which is what we usually do. Did you start your tour like most tours do around the Sea of Galilee? We did. Yes, we did. So that was a fortunate thing, and it was a God thing, because um, otherwise we wouldn't have got to see anything. We did. We started off there. When we get up in the morning, we always go first thing to Caesarea Maritime, because it's close to where we stay in Netanya. We stay in Netanya, which is right on the Mediterranean. And then we went to Caesarea Maritime, and of course, it's just a beautiful, wonderful place. We go by Haffa. We go to Mount Carmel. We go to Megiddo, which is the Valley of Armageddon, which of course has a lot of different meaning right now. 
We went to Zippori, which was where Jesus would have worked as a child with his dad, to Nazareth. Then we went to Mount of Precipice, and we got to see that place too, where Jesus slipped through the crowd. So a lot of really great things. And then that took us, you know, to Thursday. What Pat is going to describe to us next is her group went on top of the Golan Heights. And from that viewpoint, you can clearly see across the border into Syria. In fact, from that spot, you're only 40 miles from the metropolis of Damascus. We went to Tel Dan and we went to Caesarea Philippi, both of which have been um, attacked now. Mm -hmm. And missiles dropped on both of those um, very historic sites because, of course, Hamas would like to just erase the history and anything that's religious that goes with it. We're talking and, about uh, the Golan Heights, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we were there at the top of that Mount Dato. And then we went to Gamala, which we had never been to before, or I had never been to before, and got to see the synagogue there. And he talked about the fact that Jesus said this was the city that was the light on on the hill. And that really stuck with me a lot, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But the going to Gamala, which is just enforced, this is where Christ was, all around the Sea of Galilee, all these places that we had been. He had been there too. We walked in those places, which was incredible. We just had a great day. And before and I tell you what, before, before we move on, if you don't uh -huh. mind, Pat, sure. I, I want to just say something about, and, and of course, at that moment, you had no idea what was about to take place within no. 24 hours, or less than 24 no hours, actually. And one of the things, Mona, that we talked about, and I remember being there on those two occasions in 2018 to Israel, is just how safe I felt. Oh, yes. yes. Always. Never, never thought of anything, you know. No. It's handled very safely yes. and orderly. Yeah. I even made a comment, I feel safer there than sometimes I do in my own city. Yes. Do you, you have know, that same feeling, Pat? Yes. In fact, everybody asks us that. When we're working with the church, one of the number one questions that comes up is, is it safe? It's always safe. We tell them over, in fact, right in September, this the first of September came out with the statistics for the summer. And it said in Israel, there had been 24 murders since January. Mm. In Chicago, there were 32 murders that weekend. Mm -hmm. Well, in one weekend. Yeah. In one weekend. So, so very, very safe. No ever any indication of ever being unsafe, afraid, anything. You just, you feel very right. confident. And, and so you're moving into the hours of Shabbat, which is that Friday yes. evening hour. So go on from that Correct. time there. Yeah. Okay. So the attack happened on Israel at 6.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So this is 7.30, one hour later. And when we got up and started in the car, Omar said, we were attacked last night. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, well, apparently they you know, infiltrated one of the kibbutz um, in, are near the Gaza Strip. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. He said, no, at this time, we have no indication of the severity of no, it. No, you don't. It's one hour afterwards. We know that there were police there. We know that they had called people out. We don't have any clue. Because, Pat, there's happened. times in monitors, times there's there's grimaces or these little battles that happen, yes. and but they don't escalate into what no. we're seeing right now. Yeah, it's not unusual to, for it's missiles not. to come over once in a while. That's altogether right. different. We, yeah, than this. exactly right. Mm -hmm. And we really thought nothing of it. I mean, it was like, yeah, there's a battle going on. But we had been there before. The first time we went in 2012, they had just finished fighting, and Obama kept saying, don't worry about it. It'll be over before you get there. It was. It was gone before we ever arrived. And that's kind of typical. So we 
didn't think too much about it. We knew that it was kind of bad, but not bad. Because, again, this is an hour later. We don't even know. It's still going on at that point. So you're continuing so we your went, tour. Went to Yardinette, got baptized, and then went to Betchian. Kind of a relaxing day. And our driver he has his radio going on the bus, and he has his phone out, and he's showing pictures at this point. He shows them to Omar. This is what's going on. And this is like probably at 1030, maybe 11 o'clock. So now it's four hours, and the news is starting to come out. And our driver was just visibly shaken and upset. And he is an Arab driver, but a wonderful, wonderful man. So he's showing Omer what's going on. And Omer's like, I got to go. And he told our guide, do not go to Jericho for lunch because that's where we were. Our next stop was going to be Jericho. And he said, I don't think you guys should go to Jericho for lunch. Bypass it. Go on to Qumran and En Gedi. So Pat, so at, at that did. moment, you're, you're starting to realize things could be serious here. Yes. So that's what, when what, our first indication was. So what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Well, again, knowing the severity of it, we're like, well, he's just trying to protect us. And obviously, you know, Jericho is in the West Bank. It's very, very Muslim community. And it is not someplace that we spend a lot of time anyway, Byron. So like when we go there, sometimes we just drive through it. Yeah, that's what we did we when we were there. We just drove exactly through, basically. Right. We had, a, I think, exactly a stopped right. at a, I think the second time we actually stopped at a, a, a fruit market or something yes. for just a very yep. brief time. So go ahead. And I'm sorry, Pat. We go, we go see where Nicodemus was. <laughs> yeah. And so that's about it. And so not a big deal. So we went on. Well, when we got to Engedi, which from Betshean to Engedi is probably an hour and a half drive, maybe. And so we get down there and Engedi was closed. Mm. And so we pull up there. We don't know that it's been closed. And obviously we pull up. So there's a guard there and that's it. Nobody else. And he said they've closed all of the parks. And so at this point, then we're thinking, okay, this is more than what we anticipated. And because the parks are manned by the military kids, and I say kids because in Israel, they go to the service from high school, three years for the boys, two years for the girls, mandatory service. And all of the parks are handled by those kids, those military kids. So they had pulled all the kids at this point already. So Engedi was closed. So we drove on down to Qumran. We get to Qumran, Qumran's closed. And so in the meantime, our guide is talking to Omer and Omer said, take him straight to the Dead Sea. And so we had a hotel for that night. That was still on our, our typical tour. We were going there to the Dead Sea to enjoy the Dead Sea. So that was part of the plan. And, and the hotel yes. was part of the plan too. Exactly. All of that was planned. And so that was on Saturday. We got to the Dead Sea. Then of course, everything starts coming out. What is going on? We're seeing the news. And we went and enjoyed the Dead Sea. And so then that night, our guide said he's going to be leaving us the next day. His four children all got called up. And so they were all in the military and all four of them were being deployed. And so we were getting a new guide. And again, we had been watching the news. So now we know this is a major thing. But you know what? We're still thinking, well, it's probably going to be over in a couple of days. It'll be okay. We'll hang out here at the Dead Sea. Uh, just for our listeners so that they will know, you're you're actually headed south. You've passed Correct. by Jerusalem. You're not. You're headed south, really right into the danger area. And so um, you've missed some spots that you would normally stop at. And Correct. you're in the Dead Sea. And so you're but you're still north of the Gaza Strip. And so you're thinking to yourself, this is going to be over quickly. I've got this yes. tour. I've got all these people. Yes. I've got a, it. They've paid a lot of money to come on this tour. I need to show them things in Israel, whatever I can. And so you're feeling yes. that kind of pressure right now. And, and so at this point, it's still going to be OK. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be over. So Saturday night, that's the evening of the invasion the that morning at yep. 630 in the morning. Saturday night, you're in the Dead Sea area and you Correct. have a hotel there. That's so right. continuing. Now, hotel the hotel's for... been evacuated, right? Yes. Yeah, so at that point, it wasn't evacuated yet. When we got okay. there Saturday night, it was the 
last night of Sukkot. Okay. And so that's their big holiday and tons of people were there. So that's our last night of really normalcy is what I could say at this okay. point. Because when we wake up the next morning, everybody's leaving because they were going back to work. But at this point, they're telling them, go home and hunker down. Right. And so the, the hotel emptied out. It was a, I think, 18-story hotel. And we were the only 18 people in it. Wow. So it was kind of an eerie feeling. Yeah, you're talking about the staff right. left too. The staff was there, but very thin staff. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. We were the only guests in the hotel. So they showed us where the bomb shelters were on each floor, told us what we would have to do to get in and out, and took very, very, very good care of us. Again, we're like, so Gaza is directly right across. If you look at a map, it's directly across from the Dead Sea mm-hmm. and where we were staying in Bokik. And so we're like right there, but it's 85 miles. And so 85 miles is like a long way. Yeah, but <laughs> missiles can stuff. fly uh, very quickly, only 85 80 miles. 80 miles. Yeah, they yeah. can only go 80 miles. So, yeah. so yeah. But you know, okay, so we're okay here. We're going to hang out here. And then Omer calls and says, you're not going to leave the Dead Sea area. You obviously cannot go to Jerusalem. They're already lobbing missiles into Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. You're going to stay put where you are. We're like, okay, so we're going to hang out another day. You know, no big deal. Our new guide comes, Julia, and really didn't do much of anything on Sunday because there was really nothing for us to do at that point. Right, Pat. So, we, we need to kind of kind of hone in on this one thing I want you to bring out today. Okay. And that is that uh, very soon, and I don't know how soon from this point, you where you the team decided you needed to get out of Israel and you went through Jordan. How did that Correct. come about? Okay, so what happened was our flights got canceled, I think probably on Monday. We had a flight out on Thursday. We were leaving from Tel Aviv and our flights were canceled. We just stayed where we were. And on Monday, we got a new guide. And on Tuesday, Jackie found flights for us out of Jordan. But there's a 36-hour wait to get a visa into Jordan. Well, then he called us back and he said, you guys have to leave. They're closing the borders. He said, they'll definitely close it on Friday. They're probably going to close it early. We want you to get out of there. The only thing you can do to get out of Israel, they've already closed Rafa. They've already closed the one by Jericho. And we want you out of here. You're not going to be able to get out. Mm -hmm. Pat, it was about this time. I think it was on Monday that I started tracking you and then I lost Uh communication with you. But I knew exactly on the map where you were at all times. And my prayer at that time was, Lord, how are they going to cross this border? How are they going to cross it? I knew they had closed that the West Bank Mm -hmm. and it was it had been taken over by the army. You couldn't go up through there. So I knew that if you took out for Jericho to go across the Allenby Bridge to get into to Jordan, that you'd never make it. And so I was praying that whole time, Lord, how's she going to do this? So I could see myself with a tour and I wouldn't Uh have had the stamina that you had, Pat. But I'm telling you, but then when you had a hundred buses waiting to get across there, there was a hundred buses with hundreds and hundreds of people trying to get across. But then when you headed south to go down to Elat, I thought to myself, this has to be the good Lord doing this. I would have never taken a tour south to Elat. Never. I would have not even thought about it, but you did. We did. And and that was to the credit of our guide, Julia, because she was just amazing. And she said, this is how we're going to go. And you're going to get across the border down here and we'll get you into Jordan. For our listeners, I just want them to imagine us. Okay, so you've got to drive down to Elat south. That's a very southern. Three and a half. Yes, Southern tip, and, and then uh-huh. get across that border somehow with a visa, yep. and, uh-huh. and before they close the border into Jordan, right. and then head north Oops. to Amman, which is another which is four another. or five hours. Yep, exactly. Pat, I just want to say this about that. I've I've talked to a lot of people that have taken tours in Jordan, and they wouldn't even think about it with an without an armed right. guard on the bus. So, we had one. so you were, <laughs> yeah, you were you were headed into 
a place that really unknown territory for you yes. and your and yes. your group is depending on you. Yeah, and that's I kept staying cool. One of the guys said to another one, "How come you're not nervous?" And he said, "Pat's not nervous. Why should I be nervous? She's in charge." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And you I, you had I never been there. Cool. No, you had never been fear. to a lot. You'd never been to, no. to Jordan. You'd never Did tried to get across it. that border. That's amazing. None, none of it. And that was probably the scariest part. So we made it through, and we're saying goodbye to everything we know. I've never been to Jordan. I have no idea who the guide is, who the driver is, where the hotels are, what we're going to see. We know nothing about this country, which is a Muslim country. That's what a I was totally praying about. I, I knew what you were yeah. headed into, and I knew it was very dangerous. Oh, my gosh. When we got to the border, we stopped at a little tiny park and had communion before we left Israel. Mm-hmm. And just the 18 of us and our guide and our driver even come and joined us. We had communion, and then we left there and went into Jordan. And when we got to the place to get our visas, there was nobody else there, Mana. There were no troops there. Amazing. There were no guides. There was no buses there. So we went through, we did all of our business, and walked out of Israel through mm. these big sliding gates that were probably 25 feet high through the kill zone before you get into the next place. Guards there on both sides of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Then guards waiting for us at the next gate. And then I'm thinking, now what? I don't know anybody. I don't see a bus. Car- I don't see uh, a guide. Nobody so, came to get us. So carrying your luggage yes, across the border into yep. Jordan. And the yes. war still going on, of course, yes, in Gaza, is, of not course. that far away. And this is on Thursday. So we go into Jordan and no guide is there. And so all of a sudden a bus pulls out from wherever it was and pulls up. So And the guy goes out and speaks no English and says, new hope, new hope. We're like, that's us. Mm-hmm. So then like a sigh of relief comes on us. And then pretty soon as we're walking towards it, the guide comes, introduces himself, says he's sorry he wasn't there to meet us. And an armed guard came with us. He mm-hmm. was a policeman armed with the AK-47. And he um, gets on the bus with us. So and you so, have a guide that speaks English, but you have a bus driver that doesn't. Correct. Okay. And the policeman spoke very, very little English. Okay. And so we get on the bus with them. And of course, I'm thinking, well, this is really great that we have this armed guide. And my other half of my brain is saying, oh, my gosh, why do we need an armed guard? Yes. Well, so you like, always do we- in Jordan. <laughs> yeah. So we had one. He was with us the whole time. So we headed to Petra, which is about a four-hour drive. And all along the way, we saw deserted villages, deserted villages, deserted villages. Mm-hmm. We saw camels. We had 70% of the country is Bedouin. Yeah. So they either live in tents or else they live in communities, you know, however they're going to do. But they were all empty. And I said to the guide, why are all of these places empty? Why are there no people here? And he said, oh, they, they're farmers and they don't work during the day. Okay. Yeah. Nobody believed that story. No. Empty buildings, boarded up. But I mean, just it was freaky. By then we were mentally and physically exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we going to do? And what, then we we drove into Amman. So so you're in Amman. And at that point, mm-hmm. I knew the I knew you were there. But at yes. that very time that you were there, there were hundreds of thousands of people in the streets of Amman. In fact, they were, according to my sources, and I get a lot of uh, feeds out of Israel, they were thinking about airlifting the king out of the city. It was so bad. Yeah. Right. But you were there in a hotel. And I just find that just amazing <laughs> that you were there in a hotel during that time. 
and what was interesting was we were on a main street of the town and it's a huge town 3.1 million people so it's just gigantic yeah. we could hear at night all of the stuff going on we could hear horns honking we could hear people yelling we mm-hmm. could hear noises but weren't sure exactly what it really was because they weren't saying on the news that they're demonstrating well here's just the that, thing you know, if it wasn't safe for the king there right. uh, it well, wasn't we, safe for you and your 18 friends there exactly. you know what I mean yep. Pat it sounds so, like the providential care of our heavenly father was definitely watching over you and those totally. 18 that were traveling with you every yes. place we went it was like he opened the door or he opened the waves of the Red Sea parted it for us to get through and closed it again because the border closed probably two hours after we were there the border we were at you spent four days in then in Jordan trying to get out basically yes we did so Jackie got us a flight out but it was not out until Monday so we arrived there on Thursday night our Thursday afternoon so we had four days to hang out in Jordan and minimal things because the people that we were with weren't comfortable going anyplace no they wanted to stay in the hotel yeah yeah they want to stay where they think they're safe well the hotel little did we know two streets over have massive demonstrations going on God definitely provided us a way there was a miscommunication and the driver took us to a church that was had a big metal wall around it and he thought he was taking us to the citadel our driver our guide hadn't arrived we go into this church and everybody that's there was kind of very uneasy because they're like why are they taking us to this gothic church that means nothing to us it was a um, very catholic greek orthodox kind of church they're pounding on the door to get us to let us in they open the door a pair and talk to somebody and then all of a sudden he comes back and gets us out of the bus we go over through another gate and into this church that's completely empty and we're like why are we here and I can't get a hold of the driver or the guide and so all of a sudden we're leaving it again and I did get a hold of the guide he said it was a mistake but that's when our people felt very uneasy and they've all said well, that was the most uneasy. And your driver doesn't speak English and exactly so you right. turned up at this strange place mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without your guide. And not knowing what we're even doing there. And we've now this place you and you were you were locked inside there for a while yes we were for about 10 minutes Uh they closed the doors we came in they closed the gates they closed the door behind us in the church and and left us by ourselves so what we were, were you thinking at that time, there. Pat? What were you? What was uh, going through your mind when they locked the door? We were thinking, is somebody going to come out and kill us all? In the well, yes, of that's exactly what I would have thought. That's exactly what I would yeah. have thought. But we got we got out. It was just a mistake. And we went on. We went to the Citadel, spent a couple hours there, back to the hotel, changed our clothes, laid down for a little bit. And we had to leave the hotel at midnight to go to the airport. So and, at midnight, there was nobody on the streets. No. Like nothing. But the next day, the reason we saw nobody is because they were all demonstrating. And the next day, our hotel was on the news. And they were demonstrating in front of where we were staying. Well, and so, Pat, when you reflect back over those days in Jordan and this particular trip to Israel, like no other trip you've taken to Israel. uh, Mm -hmm. For sure. What are some takeaways for you? What what has God taught you about his providence and his care? Do you know, I think out of all of us, I mentioned Gamala before, and he told the story of being the city on the hill. Jesus said, this is a city that's light can't be hidden. And I brought that away with me because it was like, we are living in this country and our lights are not shining we're mm-hmm. living in a place where we're on a hillside our church is our church the light that's in this community are we as people doing what God tells us to do and are we reflecting him or are we going to be another one of these places that just becomes a ruin that nobody goes to and nobody knows about because it was something that happened in the past what are we doing as Christians to keep his light shining and it really impacted me I think more than anything that 
that we did because the story of it and how now there's nothing there. There was a synagogue there. It was a great synagogue and it was a decapolis. So it was a huge, big city and there's nothing left of it. And what's going to take to bring our country, this big, huge mm-hmm. country that used to be the light of everything in the world. And we just decrease belief systems, belief systems, cultures. We bend our beliefs down to nothing. You know, mm-hmm. we cater to the woke society and everything else. I mean, we don't teach our children. We don't, you know, reinforce the values that we used to have. Mm-hmm. And that, of all things, and then plus, you know, a couple of other little things where obviously God took care of us, got us through. They closed the border after us. They brought a ship into the Red Sea right after we left and was getting missiles. You know, it's been um, shooting missiles down that were aimed towards Elliot and all of those things in, in God's providence. I mean, well, he definitely had us in his hand. There was no, definitely, no point about Pat, it. he definitely had you in his hand. And as we start to wrap up our program here on the Bot Radio Network, this special edition sharing this story with uh, Pat. Stern Corp about the amazing power and providence of God in her life and the 18 yes. uh, travelers coming out of Israel. Mona, you got a word for us. I do have. I, if I could just take a minute here, I would like to read a little bit of Psalm 83 um, mm, yes. for our listeners. Psalm 83 by many of the top theologians in the world, both, both living and deceased, believe that this psalm was both a prayer and a statement. And yes. I think it applies to today's situation. And Pat, you agree yes, with me I on do. that. Yes, and I, I want to read do. just a few lines here from Psalm 83, and our listeners can go look that up, and I think you'll see what I mean. It starts out, Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation and that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. That's exactly what is happening right now. It is. And then it talks about the surrounding countries. It names them all. And then it says, oh, my God, make them like a wheel as the stubble before the wind as the fire burneth a wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Isn't that what's happening? Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. So I think this describes the time of of, of world history that we're living in right here. I think so, Mona. It absolutely does, yeah. Again, we're living in prophecy. We are watching it happen. Mm -hmm. We're watching it unfold. We are living in the last days. Right before our very eyes. Well, Pat, Mona, this has been a wonderful time to share, again, the providence and care of God. And we want to praise God, Pat, for delivering you you. and those 18 travelers. And uh, thank you so much for joining Bot Radio Network. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. I love being on your program. Love Mana, of course, forever. I really appreciate it, Byron. Thank you. Well, friends, I'm Byron Tyler from Mana Stafford. Thank you for listening to this special feature here on the Bot Radio Network.